Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Older adults, and 
Pastor Jeff said, well, unless you're going to pay half the mortgage. Woo! That's it. We all getting up and we going. And uh, Pastor KL wasn't too far away. Yep. So the men really put their foot down when it came to this uh, topic and, and this uh, method of raising your child. And uh, quite a bit of conversation, you know, took place. You know, we also uh, had uh, Pastor KL who says that, you know what, it's a, a bit, what word did he use? Um, hypocritical. That's what he said. That's what he said. It's a bit hypocritical when you send your children to church and you don't go yourself. Yeah, there's another dynamic when you're dealing with that type of situation. And, uh, you know, we all agree. uh, But we also agree that, you know, the child does not know, you know, what what is best for their life. And there are some pluses, you know, such as the four of us. You know, if if our parents hadn't insisted we went to church, you know, even though there may have been a parent missing and, you know, what's good for you is uh, not necessarily good for me right now. You know, or do as I say, not as I do. So it was quite a conversation. To be had on Tuesday And boy did we talk about the church folks Yes we did You know it was was a really good conversation Very thought provoking And uh, uh, let's see how you You know weigh in on this thing Alright So give it a listen And see how you know, which side of the fence you fall on. Okay? All right. Well, next day we rolled in, and it was a wild Wednesday, and our girl Vivian got us started in the morning with her uh, news, her socially conscious news, and uh, we talked about, you know, this... Uh, legislation that they're pushing that the students get a men, men, get mental health days from school and uh, you know their thought is well you know if we're giving it to the adults or we're giving it to the faculty then uh, don't you think some children need you know mental health days you know I'm going to be honest I'm going to be real honest here I'm glad I was raised when I was raised you know, you you managed. Now, some might say, you know, not everybody managed. And absolutely, we're not talking about everyone because there will always be exceptions to the rules. But, you know, we you go through things in life and, you know, we just got through it. You know, and I, at times I had some rough pockets growing up. And uh, Shanti's always just, oh, come on, Ma. I talk about the fact that I was never late or absent for 
when I graduated high school, I got a uh, an award for never being late or absent for four years of school. Now, I got to tell you, you talk about some mental stress. At times, there was mental stress going on. However, you know, it was, you know, I guess school was an outlet for me, maybe. I don't know. I never... I never looked at it like that, you know, but I do know now that, you know, or or as I, you know, was an adult raising my children and, you know, talking to other mothers and things like that, you know, you just can't get kids to stay home sometimes because they just want to get out the house, you know, and then you got those who don't want to stay in the house. I mean, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying? They want to stay in the house. They don't want to, you know, be out there. With everybody else, you know, they want to be a couch potato and look at games, play games all day and, and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, Elder and I, Tisha came up with a really interesting method as to how she dealt with her girls, you know, in regards to those mental health days. So, you know, there was some suggestions given as to, you know, how those mental health days could possibly go that could have a, a, a an impact on our child's life and really make a difference as you give in the days, you know. And there might be parents who would say, hey, or people who would say, hey, they don't need no mental health days. Let, let them use them other days, them snow days and all that kind of stuff. Let them use, you know, those days to get that job done, you know. So... Very, again, another very interesting conversation. I'm looking at the conversations that we're having these days, and man, oh, man, oh, man, you know, I am really happy that we're on this side of the conversation. In other words, that, that godly side, bringing a godly dynamic to, you know, everyday life. Because... We've got to show people balance, you know, and, you know, do you fare better if you, you know, go to church and maybe if the Lord has given you a level of peace, you know, is your life different? You know, it's something to think about, something to think about, yeah, so... Uh, uh, Vivian also brought up, brought up her uh, her story about the mom who has to pay over two thousand dollars in fine as she uh, fudged this entire situation here. Well, clearly, her son was a near do well because I can't imagine a mother who had a productive child who would go to these lengths. Well, clearly the son was a near-do-well, and she was afraid that, you know, he couldn't secure his own job. So mom offered her liver so that, yeah, you heard right. She offered that liver, you know, to the boss on construction, you know, uh, site or, you know, business. And, uh, oh, boy, 
did it go wrong? I mean, big time wrong. But now, instead of just letting him go out there and find his own job and let him, you know, either get fired or, you know, go through just the, 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 the bumbles and stumbles of life, she is now paying over $2,000 in fines just because she wanted to do a good deed for her son. Yeah, well, you want to go back and listen uh, for the conversation. But that's what we ended up, one of the things we ended up talking about on Wednesday. And all the icing on the cake was our Faith Over Fear segment with our Pastor Charlene. Yes, it was quite a while Wednesday. Okay. All righty now. Well, yesterday was Therapeutic Thursday, and uh, we had our resident uh, GYN, OBGYN, as well as our resident plastic surgeon uh, on deck, our Dr. Pierre Gordon, and ooh, when I tell you, he answered and clarified a lot of stuff over here for Pastor Steph yesterday. Yeah, we had, you know, kind of just some random questions that we submitted and uh, kind of gave him. And, oh, he was really good with clarifying a lot of things. He talked about cysts. E-Y-S, T-S, yes, you know, when you ovulate, a woman ovulate, ovulates, she, you know, a cyst is created and most times they go away and other times they don't. And uh, he said that once they become larger than one to two centimeters, that's when you get that level of discomfort. And, uh, you know, now some other things have to be considered or done. And but that was really a good um, pin right there because you kind of get all these in- pieces of information about cysts. Um, fibroids. Oh, he said that fibroids are predominantly in African-American women. Yeah. That that's who really um, fibroids uh, sufferers, and he said it comes largely from either genetics or when one a woman eats a large amount of carbs and starches. But that's not the only thing. That's not what Pastor Gordon. Pastor, I keep calling Pastor Gordon. That's not what Dr. Gordon said, and that's not what I just said. But that was, you know, a large factor, you know, in fibroids, okay? And, uh, ooh, we dealt with perimenopausal, premenopausal, premature menopause, ooh, and all three of those are different. So if you want to hear um, that and, and what makes the difference in those three areas? Go back and listen. 
identified two different um, reasons for a hysterectomy. Well, not reasons, but two different types of hysterectomy. So I'm telling you, he really brought the information yesterday. So you definitely want to go back and listen as you're, you know, if you're a woman, because he heavily talked about HPV, that human papilloma virus. Yeah, it's a monster. And you want to make sure that you are, you know, getting your body checked uh, for, you know, any signs of HPV. So, man, if you're a woman, you want to go back and listen just because, even if you were on yesterday. Okay? We've had an exciting week over here on this due time. Well, today we have arrived at Freestyle Friday. And anything goes over here. Yes, we can do whatever we want to do. Well, most times we just have that conversation with our men. And uh, we plan to do so again. And uh, if we make it to our topic of conversation, it's a wonderful one to have as we have entered the first Friday at the top of the year, 2023. So, uh, you know, we want to get to talking today about some stuff. And, you know, so we thank you for hanging out with us all week or just joining us today, however that goes down. And, you know, we want to let you go get that healthy breakfast. Yep. Uh, go and tell somebody that it's due time when Pastor Steph is on. And make sure you go nowhere because we'll be right back. Lung cancer research is moving at a rapid pace and new treatment options are available. Biomarker testing looks for changes in a tumor's DNA, which may influence your treatment options. The American Lung Association has up-to-date resources so you can be your own advocate. Get started at lung.org. Safely, really safely brought us through 
week, he has ushered us into the top of a, you know, brand new calendar year. And uh, how else do you say thank you that he's kept us, you know, as a marker. You know, that's a marker, new year. New year, marker that shows that we've gone through 365 days. And we've made it through all the trials, through all the tribulations. We've made it, you know. 2022 was an eventful year for Pastor Steph. But I'm here. I made it. I can shout the victory. Uh, God is great. God is truly, truly, truly great. And I can't thank him enough that uh, I'm not today where I was last year at this time. As you know, my mother was really battling uh, serious health conditions. At this time And It was really A struggle And I give God thanks Because You know Despite the fact that we lost her I'm here And I'm in my right frame of mind Amen Amen And that my family You know We're in Our right frame of mind Amen Amen So uh, It's a lot to give thanks for Lot to give thanks for, you know, could have been homeless, you know, could have been clothesless, you know, I could have been sleeping in my grave. My children are safe, you know, I just so much to give God thanks for and you know, as uh we close out this week, you know, just reflecting on that time, you know, that we spent you know, year to date is uh, enough for me to just give God thanks for everything He's done for us. Alrighty, so what are we gonna talk about today? Hmm, it's a lot of stuff on this list, and uh, still not, you know. Uh, satisfied Yeah well I didn't have anything that jumped out at me But we have news Nonetheless Well I want to bring you back to a story That we Covered here On his due time with Pastor Steph And I don't know if you remember this But in Colorado There was a Funeral home operator Accused of Illegally selling body parts And you know, giving um, the clients fake ashes, remember? Yeah, I remember that. As soon as I opened it up, I remember, I was like, wait, we did this. Yes, we did. And uh, uh, Megan Hess uh, was, remember, she was the one who owned the funeral home, ran the funeral home, and she also had, like, this side hustle where she, Donated organs Or um, Not donated organs Like 
she would sell organs to people. And we were like, well, how are you doing both? And how can you be trusted to clearly do both? Well, that sentenced to 20 years in prison for her whole gamut of activity. Um, you know, they were saying, remember, they said that they didn't even, the families didn't even know whether they got the real ashes of their loved ones. Yeah, and, you know, she, uh, <laughs> they all, they also snagged her mom, who also pled guilty to mail fraud, as she transferred bodies, um, body parts to people without the family's knowledge. I know y'all have to remember this story. And uh, she was sentenced to 15 years. So uh, Ms. Hess, who is 20, uh, she got, I'm sorry, who's 48, got 20 years. And Mama, who's 69, got 15 years. So if Mama makes it, she going to jail for 80, till, till she 85. You know, everything you do, you are going to be found out. And I remember us talking about this story very vividly. Yeah, extremely vividly. Um, And how, you know, you just can't be trusted when you got two of those businesses going on from the same person. Why would you need to do both? Let me tell you something. Do you know what people charge for funerals these days? Some people make money. Honey. They sure do. And you're going to then jump on board to, you know, trafficking, uh, what do you call those things, organs, you know. And uh, she was charging, you know, people um, $1,000 or more to cremate people, and it never occurred. Oh, my goodness, yes. So they did snag her. Thank God she got, you know, her day in court. And uh, clank, clank, she got them big 20 years. So I thought you might be interested in, you know, hearing that she didn't get away with it. And they didn't give her a slap on the wrist either. So that was really, 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 really Um, Some good news Because now those families You know Might be able to get a couple dollars Never know Never know Well They didn't say anything about You know if the funeral home is Still standing or not But I would like to think That that funeral home is officially Shut down You know because you don't know Who else is, is you know Running the place, because if uh, Miss Hess and Mama are both going to jail, then uh, hmm, we don't know who else may have been, you know, in that whole setup there. Well, there's another story here out in California of a man who was a, now listen to what I'm saying. 
a man who was arrested after they said that when his car went off the cliff with him and his family in it, that it was intentional. Yes, you heard what I said. Him and the family, they say plunged uh, over 250 feet off a cliff along the Pacific Coast Highway. And they initially thought that the crash of the car to the bottom of the ditch, yeah, man, they thought was an accident. But after they did some investigating, they said that, uh, no, 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 this was quite intentional. Yes. So, in the car was him, the wife, and some children. Yes. So, didn't we just get finished talking all last week? About this here, that you know, whatever's going on, you know, this is how you handling your domestic issues. You gonna drive you and everyone off the cliff. Now, is what they said. They said the damage to the vehicle would indicate that the car hit and then flipped several times before landing on its wheels. And they say the two minor children, uh, the two minors rather, suffered moderate injuries. But the condition of the man and wife were unknown, but they were all in stable condition. Now, you didn't just drove your car off of a 250-foot cliff. And the children, listen to what they said, they believed that the car hit, flipped a couple of times, and landed on its feet. And the children, the two minor children, only suffered a little bit and you and your wife are in stable condition, that sounds like God didn't want y'all to die. And uh, now he's being um, charged with three counts of attempted murder and two counts of child abuse. Yeah. Oh, God had another plan for you, my brother. He sure did. Anytime you drive your car off a cliff and nobody dies and they say the car didn't flip and all of this kind of, man, you might as well, as as, as uh, Pastor Charlotte and Brother Al always say, you might as well go ahead and, 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 and shake hands with Big Bubba because God surely didn't mean for you to die. And I am so grateful to God that, you know, this was one time where 
the children made it, despite it all. You know, whatever was going on with you, you tried to take them kids' life. You had you tried to take mama's wife, your your wife's wife, and God said, "Uh, nah, we ain't doing that today." Yeah. And you know, I'm 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 gonna tell you something. I don't know how many of you think this, but I always worried about if I was the one who tried to commit suicide and it didn't work. And I would be stuck in whatever that condition would be for the rest of my life. Yeah. I always thought about that. You know, I try to blow blow my brains out and, you know, I end up with, like, talking all twisted because, yeah, because, you know, I'm just not functioning the same anymore. You ever thought about that? Well, I wonder what he's thinking about. So for the rest of his life, he's ha- he's going to think about the fact that he tried to kill his family and now he got to do life in jail. Because you ain't going nowhere after that. And, and let's see if he tries to kill himself again. What in the world could have been going on and you want to kill up everybody? And again, we talked last week about the trauma we do to these children. And now, now they're minor children, so we don't know how minor they are. But for the rest of their life, they're going to remember that Dad tried to kill us by driving us off a cliff. But see, Dad didn't anticipate that they would be living to tell the story. I tell you, you know what? Oh, my God. I can't even imagine dropping can you imagine dropping? The car's just dropping. You can't stop it. There's nothing else you can do about it. You can't get out and run. Oh, my gosh. Wow, 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 wow. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, my goodness. What else are we going to talk about today before the men get on? Well... We have a story, a crazy story, of a 16-year-old girl who who got shot in the head because she refused to pick up some weed. Now, let me help you understand this story here. So, out in Kentucky, uh, the Scarlet Tucker was with some friends. You know, she was with three other teenagers. Well, three other teenagers witnessed this here. And their statement led to the arrest of 18-year-old Demarcus Hedges. So what they said was, they were all together in this house, and a bag of marijuana fell on the bedroom floor. And this Marcus Hedges insisted that Scarlett pick the bag up off the floor. And she was like, I'm not doing that. 
he pointed the gun at her head and fired one shot. Now, we've talked about picking the wrong friends. We didn't talk about my mom always said, you ain't got no blankety-blank friends. Now, here you are, all of y'all chilling in the house, and they said that the two of them, Scarlett and DeMarcus, were friends, quote-unquote. And that's exactly how it went down. So they said he, you know, ran. He fled from the home, but he later turned himself in to the marshals. And he's been charged with murder, tampering with physical evidence, and unlawful transaction with a minor because Dodo didn't seem to remember that she was only 16 when he was 18. So you're considered an adult and she's considered a minor. So you're still a kid. You're really still a kid. And, you know, the family was shocked. Her family was shocked because, again, you know, they were quote-unquote friends. And it's like, well, what do you mean? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's it's something to be said with y'all chilling. You know, they didn't say, you know, it was school time. She should have been in school or anything like that. But, again, y'all just hanging out. Y'all just hanging out, kids hanging out, doing what they do. And now here you are. You don't have your life anymore. Because someone who had a gun in his possession that you trusted, you know, we don't know if you were smoking the weed. We don't know if they were smoking the weed and, you know, you were just sitting there and you was just chilling. But again, you know, somebody may have been intoxicated, and I mean really the 18-year-old, but... You know, you don't, he, they say he insisted that she pick up, you know, this, um, this bag of marijuana. And when she stood her ground and said no, he just pulled off the gun and shot her. Because, see, you think you got that kind of power, you know, to do what you want to do because you got a little gun. Now, can you imagine her thinking she's sitting there with her friends? And, you know, we don't know if he just pulled out the gun and shot her. We don't know if, we, we don't know if um, you know, how long that transaction took. You know, was it how many words were, you know, exchanged? Or did he say he had the gun? We don't even know. But all we know is, can I go over to my friend's house? Remember that, y'all? Remember us asking, can we go over to our friend's house? Here, I want you to send me, send me what your mama used to tell you when you used to ask to go to your friend's house. I want to see if you got the same answer as I got. Well, regardless of what answer you got, 
you ain't go over to that friend's house. And this is why. Imagine how many lives were saved when mama said no. You know, or, or asked, you know, if if uh, somebody was in the house or were, they, were their parents home and all that kind of stuff. You know, when I remember when the girls were, you know, growing up, they always, <laughs> they always, um, you know, would ask, and boy, they would get loaded with the questions. Well, I ain't get no bunch of questions. So I want you to send me what your mama said, and the first thing, the, the, one of the first um, responses I got, submission, you ain't got no friends. Why well, ask mama? Can I go to my friend's house? And mama said, you ain't got no friends. Well, my mama must have been sisters with uh, <laughs> with this with this mama because my mother used to always say, you ain't got no blankety-blank friends. So if your mama just said, you ain't got no friends, that was minor. Cause the first thing I got was, you ain't got no blankety-blank friends. Uh, somebody said, I got another submission. Somebody said, Mom said, hell no. <laughs> you ain't going over to no friend's house. Yeah. You know, this is this is how, you know, it went down when you were younger. Answer was just flat out no. You know, I used to get from my mother. I'd say, Ma. Can I? That's when I used to call her Ma. <laughs> I said, Ma, can I go? You know, mommy, can I go to my friend's house? And she would say, for what? <laughs> Whatever you could do there, you could do here. You got your own house. So I'm going over there to look at TV. You got your own TV. So I'm going over there to do such a thing. You got your own such a such thing. Yeah, she was, no, I'm going to tell you something. I, I, first of all, we didn't have a lot of friends. We the, Our circle wasn't that big. You know, we knew a lot of people. But we didn't call people friends. Um, so easily, but even if we did, I gotta tell you, I couldn't tell you what these people's house look like. Nope, because that's the way she would answer. What you gonna do over there that you can't do in your own house? And like, I just want to go over there. And you know, when you think about, you know, situations like this, the bag fell on the floor. The bag of weed fell on the floor. That's what the other three people who was in the house said. That the bag fell on the floor. You know, DeMarcus said, yo, Scarlett, pick that pick that bag up. She said, no. He pulled out a gun and shot in the head. They said one time. He pulled the trigger one time. And now somebody's got to go tell Scarlett's mama and auntie, because the auntie was the one who uh, spoke, you know, to the reporters and the police. Um, now they've got to go tell her family. Now the three of y'all got to go tell her family that DeMarcus shot Scarlett in the head because she didn't pick up a bag of weed at her house. Oh, my goodness gracious. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ernie, for saying no. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Because, you know, you just don't know. You just don't know what would happen or what would have happened. All right? Well, on the flip side of things, we got a little celebrating to do. So they say this Starbucks barista um, is being praised for her quick thinking. So they say that it was a group of them who helped this teenager get out of some potential, you know, problem. So they say that um, Brandy, who uh, was in a Starbucks, um, you know, she's, she's, this is her daughter who was in a Starbucks. And they said that she, uh, a man approached her daughter in the Starbucks, and she was alone. And as as she was at the counter, the man kept harassing her, continued to speak to her, and she didn't want him to speak to her, and she was in some level of distress. At least that's what the baristas um, said that they saw. So they decided to kind of intervene. So they say one of the individuals handed her a quote-unquote extra hot chocolate. So they said, well, you're right, here's an extra hot chocolate someone forgot to pick up. And uh, that extra cup contained a message written on the side of the cup that asked, are you okay? Do you want us to intervene? And they said, if you do, take the lid off the cup. And uh, she did. She did. And, you know, they they were able to, you know, help her out. And you give God thanks. Again, you know, we had the other, you know, I think it was in 21, we had the story of, you know the uh, the uh, the server who saw the little boy and his family at the table. Remember that story? Who saw the family and, and the little boy at the table, or who include, that included the little boy at the table? And she intervened, you know, by you know putting a little sign up, asking the boy, you know, if he needed help, and he said yes. You know, so, you know, we give God thanks for these quick thinkers, you know, and people who pay attention. And, you know, Shantice and I were talking about, you know, just how people step in um, and and really risk their lives, you know, for um, domestic violence. And when you look up, you know, now they're arguing with you. You know, you step in and say, hey, don't bother them, and now they're fussing with you. So a lot of people don't like to intervene. How many people have lost their lives for being a good Samaritan? You know, but thank God for these quick thinkers um, where they're stepping in and helping to save these young people. So, 
You know, she didn't, this, this young girl did not know this man. And, you know, she didn't speak up. You know, she didn't yell. She didn't say anything. And, you know, probably she was just thrown. She didn't know how to say, you know, something, you know, flag that she needed help. But thank God that she was surrounded by people who were paying attention. And, again, you think about how many people, you know, you see this on TV all the time. You know, somebody will walk up on, you know, an individual and, and they'll threaten them with a knife on their side, to their side and things like that. And then they go to the car and, or, and it, you know, because they didn't say anything. And they, yeah, they were too afraid, you know. And how many times does that happen? Well, here's a, a time where we get to celebrate, um, you know, these people in the store or, you know, just being on their feet, just being quick thinkers on their feet and offering her this cup and, and a plan. Oh, you know, Pastor Steph, I'm a woman about planning. I love to hear a plan. And here was a plan. Here was a plan. So, you know, thank God, thank God, thank God. Thank God for that. What else are we talking about today? Ah, let's see. Oh, here we go with another story of when y'all don't hold these people in jail, and you should. Yep, that's what we're going to call it. When y'all don't hold these people in jail, and you let them walk the street, and lo and behold, they do again what they do, and now what are you saying? So you have out in California... This uh, 32-year-old deputy who was killed um, when they say the driver of another car opened fire after being pulled over. So he pulls his car over and, you know, when he was cornered by this deputy, you know, he fired several rounds and... uh, Now you have a deputy who has lost his life, 32 years old, young, young man. And they're saying that this uh, suspect, William McKay, who is a convicted felon, was, uh, was an individual with an extensive violent past. And they say that You know, he's been cited before with multiple assaults with a deadly weapon. He's been snagged for stabbing um, a highway patrol canine. And he was convicted on multiple felony charges in November 21, which would have been his third strike. But... They say, based on the state's sentencing law regarding repeat felony convictions, he should have automatically been sentenced to 25 years to life. But his bail was reduced from 950000 to 500000 following 
you know, this whatever they do. Okay? That was the decision. And they say that back in 21 of November, November 21, he was found guilty of false imprisonment, evading a peace officer, criminal threats likely to result in death or great bodily harm, uh, and receiving stolen property. So he was also found to be a felon who had serious prior convictions. He was found not guilty of kidnapping and kidnapping to commit robbery or rape in that particular case. And because he was found not guilty, that's when they dropped uh, the the bail from 950000 to 500000 And he posted the bail. Yeah. So still... Regardless of $500,000, this creep was able to um, make bail, and he's out, and this is what happens. And I surely wish somebody would wake up and do their due diligence when it comes to these individuals. Come on. You let him out. Why would you, first of all, like they said, because of what he was charged with, when he was found guilty, he should have automatically got 25 to life. The three strikes did not mean a thing, and you let him walk. Again, being that he had serious charges already, you let him out, and this is his third time, Well, I would love to meet the judge who made that decision. Because boy, oh boy, oh boy, again, you know, God is making us pay for our decisions real heftily. Yeah, that may not be a word. That's a word that I invented this morning. If it don't exist, so leave me alone. Yes, we're going to have to deal with this stuff. Our bad decisions are going to be dealt with. And God is really doing it for what we saw last year and this year. Yeah, every time you don't do your job, you're going going to have to pay. You're going to have to pay. And even if they never put these judges or whoever's in authority in jail, you're going to be in jail. You're already in jail. Because you have to live with that thing for the rest of your life. You know, so when you start drinking and you become an alcoholic and then your family can't take you no more so your wife divorces you or your husband divorces you, oh, yeah, yeah. That would be a lot worse for some people than putting them in jail. Mm-mm-mm. So, oh, boy. Let's talk to our gentleman. Let's say good morning to Brother Al. Good morning, Brother Al. Chop, chop, chicken and chop, brother. Morning. Good morning to you, Pastor Seth. How you doing? See, like I ain't talked to you in a long time. No, Brother Al. It's been like forever. We had Tuesday was 
Church Folk Day. We had Wednesday, the ladies. Yesterday, we had uh, Dr. Gordon. So it's been like a long time since I've spoken yes, to I, you. Yeah, I've been listening in. It, you, know, um, you know, if anybody tell you, man, you've been doing a great job. It's a great topic. You know, when you when you was talking with the ladies on Wednesday, you know, I wanted to chime in so bad because, you know, that's, yeah. that's my stuff with the kids and about the yeah, boys and their moms. I, I, can, I can write a book on the type of stuff. I can write a book on it. I'm sure you are being with them cheering every day. Well, thank you so much for your compliment, Brother Al. Thank you so much for your compliment. I appreciate you. I'm glad that God has brought you safely into uh, another calendar year. So I'm very happy to hear your voice, very happy to hear your voice. And I can get my chop-chop of the morning at the top of the year. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, yeah. Children taking you out. So we, we celebrating your life. We celebrating your life, Brother Al. Oh, Brother Al, Brother Al, Brother Al. Let me see which uh, story I'm going to talk to you about today because we do have a topic that I'd like to uh I like to talk about. All right, Brother Al. So you got this man who's driving him and his family. And he probably said, come on, you know, we're going out for, you know, some eats or, you know, let's go hang out today. And they're driving on the Pacific Coast. The Wait, how do they say it here? The, I got it. The Pacific Coast Highway. And before you know it, he turns the car off the cliff. They drop 250 feet. They say that based on the evidence, they say that the car, um, let's see, how did they say it? They said it hit and then flipped several times before landing on its wheels. Now, when the car does all of this, Brother Al, the two children in the car suffered moderate injuries. They don't they did not know the condition of the man and his wife, but they did know that the authorities said that they were in stable condition. But Al, you need to see this car. But just imagine the car. Two hundred and fifty feet plunge. He gonna meet Big Bubba. I talked about you a little while ago. You and Pastor Charlotte. I said, he going to meet his big bubba. Can you imagine him thinking, Brother Al, he was going to drive off this cliff and take the lives of him, the wife, and the children, and now and nobody dies? Nobody dies, Brother Al. What say you? What do you think? Well, you know what I think? That was nobody but God. God was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not taking my people out like that. It ain't time for them to go. You know, I mean, for you to drive off a cliff to fall down that far in a steel car, because you know once something falls, it gets even heavier as it drops. And for you to drive off the cliff, flip over so many times, and on top of that, land on your wheel, God had his hand all over that. And, you know, and I'm just wondering what made him, well, you know, what, what was going through his mind to say, you know what, I'm going to drive off this, this cliff and, and kill us all. We, we all need to go. You know, okay, I'm upset, but, you know, we all gone. 
you know, that's, that's, that's just crazy. And, you know, what I've learned, because, you know, like I said, working here at the school, I, I do so many trainings, and I love it because it's, it's very informative to me. You know, when a person gets in that state of mind, they're not themselves. So a lot of people are like, how could you do this? How could you do that? But they're not themselves. They become something totally different. You know, mindset different, everything. So that's just, you know, God has his hand all over that. Absolutely, Brother Al. Absolutely. Oh, let me say good morning to uh, Pastor KL before I move on. Oh, good morning, Pastor KL. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? I am well, thank you. I'm well with such a, you know, a serious voice coming from you today. Uh, Pastor KL, I'm doing very well, thank you. <laughs> oh, God bless you. Oh, my goodness. All right, Pastor KL, you plan to take the family out in one way. They thinking they're going out in another way. You know, you pile up the car, tell everybody, come on, let's go. Going to get some burgers and fries. And before they know it, Pastor KL, they are going over a cliff, 250-foot plunge, flips. It hit, excuse me, hit first flips a couple of times, and then lands on its wheels. The car doesn't explode. The, the two children have minor injuries. Thank God for a seatbelt and a car seat, possibly, because they didn't say how old the children were. But thank God they had to be in some level of restraints. And wife and uh, husband... Uh, in stable condition. This car, and I don't have to tell you what the car looked like, because we can see what happens when we have like a, what do, what do you call it, when it's a T-bone accident, and how the car ends up coming out. Can you imagine what this car must look like? What, what oh, do you think in your head, Pastor KL? You know what, I mean, Anytime I go on a trip, whether it's a long trip or a short trip, you know, I ask for traveling mercies. You know, we, we often say, Lord, cover us from the crown of our head to the soles of our feet. God is a promise keeper. You know, no, no matter what the enemy thought for good, God would turn it around. I mean, whatever the enemy thought for evil, God would turn it around. You know, he's, he's a promise keeper. He'll cover you. And, and, and this is just to show that, that if you're connected to the true vine, that everything is going to be all right. No weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. Man, Pastor KL, like I said, you know, I agree with you and Brother Al to the fullest because here you have this man who thinks he's going to take him and the family out. Everybody dying today. You know, that's what we talked about all last week. You know, how these parents, you know, you mad, you upset, you disappointed, and not, you don't kill yourself. You take, you're going to take the kids and everybody. And here, you are thinking, oh, this is definitely a, a, a good suicide murder or murder suicide, however they say it. Um, plan, and yet it's almost 
looks like the car had wings on it. <laughs> man, oh man. Definitely God. Definitely God. Because like uh, Brother Al said, uh, God said, no, nah, we ain't going out like this today. I'm sorry. I know you read that this may have been the best way to do it, but uh, I got some other plans. Amen, amen, amen. Woo! Gentlemen, amen. All right. We have this 16-year-old young lady, uh, Scarlett, uh, who goes over to some friends, you know, somebody's house, uh, I believe it was Demarcus's. Could have been. Could have been. Could have been Demarcus's house. Who's eighteen? And I don't know what they're doing. They don't talk about what they're doing before this occurred. But they said the um, the three, the other three teenagers say that there was a bag of marijuana that fell on the bedroom floor, and Demarcus. Demands that Scarlett Picked it up And she was like I'm not picking that up He pulls out a handgun And shoots it in the head Kills her right on the spot And I brought up the fact Gentlemen that You know We As growing up You know We weren't allowed to be going over to people's houses That just was a big fat No no And I brought up, huh, you know, what you know what my mother said when I would ask to go to the house. And thank God she said no. You know, when you look at things, because you don't know what would have happened. You know, in your head, this is all innocent. When Scarlett went over to this person's house and every, the five of them were chilling, and the bag of weed falls on the floor, and he demands she picks it up, you know, he had, again, he had one plan, she had another. And now she doesn't have her life. Brother Al, when you would ask your mother or your father to go over to your friend's house, what was the average answer? One of my things was the first answer, where your friend live at? <laughs> okay. You go to your friend's house, where, where, where your friend live at? That, that was the first thing they asked. All righty. Did you ultimately get a yes a lot of times? Yes. You know, because, you know, like, when I hung out with my friends, it was either basketball or I was doing music. So as long as I was doing that, my mom was okay. But, and, 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 you know, like back then, your parents knew a lot of the lot of the kids that were outside because we lived in the project. So my mother was watched. If I said I want to hang out with this person, and my mother saw he was doing nothing in my heart. Rate. It was it was no explanation. It was just no. Mark, can I go hang on that? Nope. Why not? Don't ask me no questions. I said no. And that was the end of that. <laughs> no. All righty. Now you getting to where we going here? You know, it uh, just a flat out no. Don't even think about it. You know, and uh, I tell you one thing. You got a whole lot more yeses than I did because my mother didn't care nothing about what you did. No, stay home. You could do it here. And here's the thing. She wasn't letting them come over to our house either. So you better meet them while y'all at school, going to school, coming home from school, because going to somebody's house or them coming over here, 
no, that was not happening. Pastor KL, Brother Al got a yes at time, most times, but uh, what did you get? I think I think Brother Al's mama just wanted him out the house. <laughs> I, I, I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, <laughs> I definitely, you know, yes, this is what I got. I got, hey, do they have a bathroom at their house? Yeah, Mom, mm-hmm. you got one, too. Do they have a TV at their house? Yeah, Mom, you got one, too. Do they have a refrigerator at their house? Yeah, Mom, you got one, too. What you going over there for? Ah. Everything that they got over at their house, you got one, too. And then a lot of times, unfortunately or fortunately, some of my friends wasn't as fortunate as I was. So I had my own room. I had my own TV. I wasn't sharing with folks. So she was like, well, why would you want to go somewhere where there's going to be 12 people looking at one TV and you got your own TV here? Stay wow. <laughs> A whole different dynamic. Yeah. But, again, that that common thread of, well, what you going over there for? Because you got what the, what they got. So they weren't too keen on letting you go out. And and here's why. This whole thing with this pick the bag up and you saying no and then somebody's going to shoot you in the head, you lost your life right then and there just for being in the wrong place. Was no talking about it, no nothing. You know, how do you now go home and and, and tell um, how do you go to somebody's house? Now, y'all got to go over to Scarlet Mama house and tell her what happened. Because he fled. He fled. He left the scene. He then later turned himself in, and, uh, you know, now he's facing multiple, you know, charges. But, you know, just the, the, when you think of the dynamic of just simply asking to go somewhere, and for you, it's innocent. Brother Al, um, you know, I know both, you know, you were on the opposite side of the coin. You know, you didn't have your children live with you um, very long, but when they did, how old, did you have any minor children with you? Yeah, I had both both of my sons live with me at a point, you know, at a young age, especially my my oldest son because you know his mother was unfit and stuff. So he he lived with me. He he did live with me for a while. Oh, okay. So what was that? What was that dynamic like? And you know, he asked to go to his friend's house. It's funny because I did the same thing my parents did. I was like, um, "What friend is this?" And then when I asked him which friend and, okay, and y'all going to go do what? Are we going to watch video games or are we going to do this? So I would let him go. And, you know, I would give him a time. Okay, well, when you get there, let me know you got there. And you can stay to, let's just say, you can stay to his house at 6 o'clock. And I need you to be on your way back home, call and let me know. And for the most part, you know, he did it because they wanted to be out because they know if you didn't do it, I was like, didn't I tell you to do that? All right, you won't go again because you can't follow instructions. So what happened, I think, it was like because, I wanted to go out with my friends and do that. I said, I'll give my kids the same opportunity. But if you mess it up, that's on you. All right, all right, all right. Pastor KL, what was it like when you were raising your children and, you know, the question came up, can we go? 
over to so and so's house or can I go to my friend's house? What what well how did you handle that? Well, I mean it was the same thing. You could you couldn't go. I mean it was it was you couldn't go. I mean there's a lot of things you couldn't do. You couldn't go. You wasn't you wasn't exchanging shirts. You know, you wasn't wearing my outfit. I, you come home with something I never seen. You know, we, we wasn't doing all that. You know, it just it just was not allowed in, in my household. You know, certain certain things I couldn't understand. In fact, my children's kids couldn't even knock on my door to see if somebody was home. You had to wait on the stoop, and if you wanted to yell or, or, or call them on their cell phone. But you couldn't knock on my door. You couldn't come on my grass. Wow. So wait, so if they wanted one of the kids in your house, the only way they could get to them is to call them on their cell phone? Yes. So what happened when they uh, were little people? When What'd they're you little say? people, you don't need friends. And when they're little people, you don't need friends. You got brothers and sisters. They're your friends. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. You know, I think, I think oh at that age, friends is, is overrated. You know, I mean, what, what you need a bunch of people trip traffic to your house for? A lot of times, you know, even, even when they get older, friends are not coming to be your friend. Friends coming to see what you got. Friends are just nosy. And then when you're not home, because see, this is what, what we don't understand. You know, the children are so excited. You know, come to my house, I got this. Come to my house, I got that. But what the kids don't know is you don't have nothing. It's borrowed. <laughs> it's on layaway. I got all this stuff. So when they come and rob my house because I'm at work, they didn't take your stuff. They took my stuff. So no, they can't come to my, my house because I don't have no 16-year-old friends. Wow. But wait, I'm still stuck on the fact that they had this, they couldn't get on your grass. Now, how much, how far is it from the grass, from the beginning of the grass to your house, to your door? About 14 feet. Wow. And they had to call. <laughs> they had to call. Wow. Okay, so I got a question. I got a question. Why couldn't they knock? Because I might be disturbed. <laughs> Listen, when, 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 you get, when you get a certain age, you know, sleep is important to you. You know, children start. When they got to go, now, they, they won't wake up for school. But when there's no school, children start at school time. I yeah. guess they were going to work, 7.30, 8 o'clock. He's not knocking on my door at 8 o'clock talking about, you know, is Pee Wee home? No, we're not doing that. Yeah. Well, no, but that that is true. That is true. It's like when you have kids in your house and, you you know, you got to call them five times for them to get up to, for school, and then ain't nobody got no problem getting up when there's no school. <laughs> it's true. It's It's really true. Wow, wow, wow. Brother Al, could the could the kids knock on your door to for your son? Yeah, I didn't mind that. Yeah, Pastor Carol was deprived, I see. <laughs> but wow, you know, it, it, wow. uh, again again one of, <laughs> I don't know what kind of friends Pastor Carol have. We we gotta send him to therapy. <laughs> But, you know, again, as a parent, it, you're not going to know all your kids' friends, but you know who's who. You know what I'm saying? So he has some, some friends. and But 
you know, fortunately, nobody's ever really surprised. He's like, hey, Dad, you know, John gonna come by. Is it okay? Like, yeah, no, it's cool. John is a good kid. He come by. But you ain't knocking on my door all types of nights now, but... No, I didn't mind they call him, you know, not for hey, is Tim home? Yeah, he's home. And I call him, he comes to the door. So I didn't have a problem with that. Well, you know what, Pastor Steph, let, let's say this, because I like this conversation. And, and let, let, let's go to, to Brother Al's point. This is what I've learned. I've learned that sometimes because we didn't like how we were treated when we grew up or we were treated a certain way when we grew up, we decide that we're not going to do that with our children. So because we got beat, we're not going to beat our children. Because this happened, this is not going to happen to our children. But this is what I've seen. I grew up pretty good. I, 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 I am a, 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 a good citizen. I'm a pastor. You know, I, I, I do well with, with, with my job. You know, so I did not die. It did not kill me. So some of those things that I've learned growing up, yes, I passed it on. And guess what? They may not have liked it then, but my children are grown, and they did not die. It did not kill them. I think when, when, when we come to the realization that because mama beat me, I'm not going to beat, now these children are shooting folks for not picking up marijuana. Yeah. Not only are they not, well, not, only are they shooting folk for not picking up marijuana, they shooting the same parents who did not insist right. on, you know, uh, 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 following the same thing. And, and we talk about this quite, you know, often here, how we, you know, we break the we break the mold, we break the trend, we stop the cycle, all because I didn't like when you did it to me. Interestingly enough, I'm, I got, my mother did what what you're describing. Like I said a little while ago, not only could I not go to their house, but we didn't have company. They couldn't come sit up in there. I remember when, <laughs> I, I was a teenager too. I was a teenager. And I had a girlfriend, um, and I had known her from my childhood, but um, from my elementary school. And we were in high school at this point. And um, my parents didn't know her. And, you know, they knew most of the, you know, people that we knew. But she, um, <laughs> she I told her, you know, yeah, you, you can come up. And she, when she got to the door, she had a boyfriend with her. And, you know, I'm not thinking anything. I'm like, okay, you know, they just come and sit. We're sitting on the couch. We're talking. We're chilling. I'm playing music or whatever. My father came home and went off. Went off. Well, because the, the boyfriend was some thug. And my parents knew the street people. They they always knew when you were street. But he had really witnessed this kid being some kind of thug. And he went off. And I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. And, you know, again, it just wasn't a norm for us to have company. And one of the rare times I did, um, it didn't go over well. It didn't go over well. And like you said, Pastor KL, most times we follow the trend, but a lot of times these days, you know, we follow the trend. Our generation pretty much followed the trend. This cycle of people, like you said, everybody want to break the mold. 
Well, you know, I had to go to church, so I'm not going to make my child go to church, you know. I couldn't stay home from school when I was sick, so none of my kids did. You know, I, I'm going to let them stay home when they want to stay home. It's like, oh, Lord. Like you said, they're making monsters. Brother Al, so you you followed you followed the trend that your parents fo- uh, followed. It worked for you well. Did it work for your son well as also? Um, I would say, yeah. You know, one of the things is I didn't follow the full trend. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, there's no there's no book on, on raising children. We go by how we was raised, things we didn't like. You know, that all falls into place. But, you know, I just looked at things as logically. And, and you know, as we move forward, you also had to move move with the time. You know, um, and, you know that, that's what's happening with, uh, you know, just real quick, that's what's happening with a lot of churches. They don't want to move with the time. They don't want to do Zoom. They don't want to do this and that, but they don't look at the good that you can talk to other Christians that's uh, a country away that believes the same you believe. So sometimes they don't want to move with the times. And I saw that there's nothing wrong with him having friends or, or you know, you know, um, having, having company from time to time. You know, they didn't do enough but laugh and talk and they playing video games. What's wrong with letting your child have a social life? You know, and, and because that when they don't have a social life, it leads to other crazy stuff. You know, we think we hold them down, but when they go outside and go to that school, you know, there's a whole different routine going on. So why not let them have a social life? They ain't doing nothing wrong. So, it, it, like I said, it worked out good for me. And I did put the hammer down when I had to. You know, it wasn't like, okay, my dad didn't do this to me. No, I'm doing what I feel. Hey, that's not that's not right. You didn't, I gave you the rope. You hung yourself. And guess what? You ain't going over there no more. That's the end of that. You know? So, it, like I said, it did work out good for me. All right. Well, that's a good thing. We're happy. We're happy to see that it worked well. Pastor KL, what's wrong with your child having a social life, as Brother Al put it? <laughs> there's, there's nothing wrong with the child having a social life, but at, at what age? I, I don't understand. I still don't understand. Maybe I'm just too old. Why a five-year-old need a phone? Not only do they need a phone, but they need an iPhone. Not only do they need an iPhone, but they need an Android with all these apps and stuff like that where, where they, they, they have the connection to meet all type of predators. You know, what, what type of social life, how much, how, how much of a rope are you giving people? You know what I'm saying? They used to give them you know, they'll take a mile or whatever. But how much, how much rope are, are we giving these folks? What, who, who, or what do you need to say so badly at five years old when you just left school with Tanya? Now, what, what are y'all talking about? You can't even speak correctly, full sentences, but you can have a whole conversation <laughs> on the phone? I, I'm just, I, I, don't, I don't understand. What, what are we talking about? What, what are we going to eat tonight? Or are we going to the dance tonight? What we going Because all you're talking about is tomorrow and Billy. First of all, you should be thinking about Billy in the first place at five years old. So what type of social life are you having at five? I just don't understand it. I think that because at five, we treated them like an adult when they're 16, they think that they're on your level. You, you can't. I, I, I've already, I got a car. I got, I, I got a car. I got a phone. I got all these things adult-wise. But yet I'm not paying no bills, and I don't respect you because now we're on the same level. You got a phone. I got a phone. You got a car. At 16, I got a car. So, so what is the difference? The difference is I'm not paying no bills. 
So at 16, I'm actually better off than you, my parents. You know, it's, it's funny. Let's see, I say, I'm sorry, Pastor Scott. Let's see what uh-huh. I this conversation that we're talking about, we never said about age. Now, Pastor Steph going back, I mean, um, Pastor Kell going back to five years old, I agree with that totally. My son didn't get privileged until he became a teenager. So that's what I'm saying. It depends on where we're going with this as far as age. But, you know, my son didn't get none of those privileges and everything until he became a teenager. Now, five years old, having a phone or something, I agree with that too. What are you doing? But when he became a teenager, okay, now we start moving the bar slowly. Okay, yeah, you can you can go to your friend's house. Yeah, you can have company as he became a teenager. But under that, no, I, I definitely agree with what Pastor Kale said under that. Hey, brother, you want to hear something funny? I got two, I got two sons, and both my sons want an earring, and both my sons want a tattoo. You want an earring in my house? You want a tattoo in my house? You need to have your own house. Because when you make those kind of decisions, that means you're old enough to turn your own key and pay your own bills. So, so e- even at that point, I shut it down. You can't have no earrings in your ear because your daddy had earrings in his ear. When your daddy got earrings in his ear, he was in his own house. I don't do tattoos at all. But, but if you want a tattoo, hey, I ain't mad at you. But you're going to tattoo it in your own house. We, we're not going to have Breezy in my house. We, we're not, we're not going to have that. That's not what we're going to have. Okay, well, Brother Al, what do you say for the tattoo and the earrings? At what age, and if if at all, what age? Oh, that's when you get 18. <laughs> you get 18, and you done graduated high school, and you moving on your way, then we can talk about that. But, again, you're not getting all that stuff. Yeah, you, okay, you... Now, I look at some of these kids now, before they, they and they do have an age limit for tattoos, but now... Yeah, they don't, if the kid come with the money, they doing it. You know what I'm saying? So my, like my my young my my young son, he didn't get a tattoo till he was like twenty twenty one. You know, say okay, you grown now, you do what you want, you got your own money. But nah, that was, no, you're not getting that. Not up in here. You you got money to get a tattoo, then you got money to pay a light bill. How about that? <laughs> so, so 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 brother Al, if they were able to pay a light bill in your house. If they had enough money to pay a light bill in your house or pay any kind of bill, were they able to have a tattoo in your house? No. I'm just saying, I'm just saying in general, if you could pay a light, if you could get a tattoo, you could pay a light bill. You pay a light bill, you still ain't getting no tattoo. <laughs> not, not until you get of age and you, you know, you like I said, graduated high school and all that, and you're on your way to college and you want to do it, then fine. Other than that, nope. Wow. Okay, so I have a question. I have a question. So, okay, I lost my train of thought real quick. I lost my train of thought. Um, You know, as we're going back and forth, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. I had a parent tell me um, the other day that they didn't care what anybody said, that they're, they're, how old is this child, like 13 or so, um, they were gonna they were they were gonna get them a phone. They didn't care. Years ago, our parents had no clue if we were safe when we left the house. There was an assumption of you being safe based on where I thought you were. Uh, we didn't have no phones. We didn't have a phone at five because I I always ask, aren't you accompanied? At five, 
Who out here these days don't have a phone? So if you're in someone's care at five years old, you don't need a phone because whoever whoever has control over you at the time, they have a phone. They, you don't need no phone if you're a child to me, period. But we we have come into an era where people are insisting on these kids having phones, and I agree. Now you open them up to a world and also a world of predators, a world of knowledge that they don't have any business knowing about. Um, why can't we live like we lived back then? Brother Al, you said your son didn't get a cell phone until he was a teenager. Pastor K.L., what was the age of your children when they got cell phones? They were teenagers as well. They were in high school. Okay. So we had to pay the bills. Why are we not sticking to we didn't have no phone? Our parents knew we were safe or assumed we were safe. Why is there such an insistence on having phones, Brother Al? Well, I think, again, it's coming with the the, the, the times changing, you know, move, moving along with the times. You know, um, there's a lot of things our parents didn't have when they were showing up. But as we, you know, got of age, we, you know, they moved with the times. But it's, it's, it's about being responsible you know, uh, like Pastor Carroll said, you know, you open them up to a whole new world, which, you know, like I said, working with kids so long, I've seen that. Well, a little girl had a phone, and she's talking to grown men on the phone, and you talk to kids 11 years old, and I'm like, yo, that's crazy. You know, um, it's just like being in the Garden of Eden. You know, once they ate that fruit, their eyes was open. So now you get this, this young kid, this cell phone, and they get on these sites. Because they figure out the phone how to use the phone with me. I got little kids showing me how to do stuff on the phone. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know, so... They get that cell phone, and it's just like getting in the garden eat. Their eyes are open, and it's like, oh, okay, I can get on this, or I can buy this, and, you know, but you got parents that's not, you know, they're moving with the time, but they're not being responsible. Why you, why you, why, again, why your five-year-old son got a phone, and you're not checking to see what's on it or what he's doing? And and some of my parents, I've heard, well, you know, you know, all the kids got one, so I got him one. Or all the kids doing that, and I look at him. But do you see what he's doing with his phone while you're saying he got it? So they're, they're not being responsible. Okay. Well, before you answer, Pastor Kale, I want to say that our parents didn't move with the times. There were just times when you would ask for things, and they just said no. It didn't necessarily mean that they didn't have it, but they didn't feel you needed it. We don't exercise that much these days. So, Pastor K.O., why, why, why do they even need a phone? Why are we even paying this extra bill for these kids to have these phones in the first place? When we grew up, we didn't have it at all. We didn't have it at 5. We didn't have it at 13. We didn't have it at 18. Well, well, the difference to answer your first question, because I think you asked, you know, well, well we didn't have it, so why do they need it now? Well, well, well the difference is the thing that, that they had then that we don't have now is they had Jesus. So, so yeah, when, when you say, well, we didn't know whether our children was going to be all right, 
you know, we wasn't calling and checking on them. But before we left the house, before they left the house, some of us, listen, even as we snuck it, we put the all on our hands and we slapped it on their head. They didn't even know what we were doing. We just said, have a good day, baby. We packed them on their head with the all on their head. And, and as they were leaving, we prayed traveling in mercy. We, we, we prayed uh, that, that, that God would keep them in the school and out of the school. We, we pray. Listen, since we stopped praying, people are shooting in the school. Since we stopped praying, they, they have those, um, what you call them things, them, them, them things where, where, the, where they can tell whether you have guns or knives in the metal school. Detect- since we metal detectors. Metal detectors. Since we stopped praying, they've had all type of chaos in the school. Listen, the phones have not stopped. The phones have not made you safer, but the prayer is what kept you. We had we had a line. You know, they used to say Jesus is on the main line. Tell him what you want. We had a phone line to Jesus, and we stood proxy for our children. The phone did not keep you safe. So all this stuff is like, oh, we got so much stuff going on, they got to call me. So they got to call you before they get shot. And what you going to do? You know what you're going to do? You're going to pray. God, cover my child until I get there. Leave me alone. All right. All right. We appreciate it. And, 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 you know, Pastor Steph, to add on to that, you know, these days here, too, the, the, the uh, child services uh, took away power. You know, back in the days, you know, you act up at school, a teacher was able to beat you or, or, or strike you like, oh, you acting up? I mean, I had my teacher had a rolling backboard, and you did something. You went behind that backboard, and you held out your hand, and she took that ruler and went to work on your hand. You didn't think about telling your parent, and you you rather that than them tell your parent. And you, you, you and that teacher called your parent like, well, I, I gave him a beating because he did such and such. Then you got home, you got another beating. All of this out the school. They give the kids all the power. So what's happening in the schools, we're not training these kids to survive beyond these walls. These kids come in there, they do all type of craziness, they get a slap on the wrist, so they feel, I can do what I want to do. And when they get out into this real world, now the cops are on you, you're doing life, or you're doing stuff like that. And then you got the parents terrified. When you ever think our parents were scared of us? They were scared they were going to kill us. That's what they were scared of. I got parents that are scared of their children. I got parents, oh, I can't do that because what I'm going to do, they're going to call the cops on me. So, uh, so I'm looking at them like, okay, so you got a 12-year-old, year old, and he can just do whatever he want to do. Well, what I'm going to do, he can call the cops. I'm like, wow. So this, this is where the change is at, and it's for the worst. And like Pastor Carroll said, the worst thing they did was took prayer out to school. You come to school and you say something about religion, oh, my God, you get called to the office. It's crazy like you did something wrong. So they pushed God out the back door, and the devil came strolling in through the front door. Oh, excuse me, gentlemen. Today, y'all talking some uh, bars, as they say. You know, I, <laughs> I'm I'm going to go a step further. There's not, there's no prayer in school, but there's no prayer at home either. So like you said, Pastor Kale, now you have this false sense of security in the phone. So I'm going to pay an extra phone bill because my 13, my 12, my, you know, 16-year-old needs a phone. And, I mean, does it really solve anything? Well, the answer is, like you said, no, it doesn't solve anything. 
And now we lose control because now we're giving them this exposure and now it's backfiring on us because we don't have Jesus. So, you know, even if you you, you, you can't authorize um, the, children, the, the the parents, I'm sorry, the teachers, I remember years ago the parent could go up in the school, and if you smack your child, I remember a couple of times when a parent came with a belt and told that child up in front of the class because that's how they got to embarrass them. And that would, you know, listen, the, 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 the principal had had their butt whipped, the teachers had had their butt whipped, the deans had had their butt whipped. So it was like, oh, well, you know, listen, dad or mom got to do what dad or mom got to do. And now there's this entire shift. We don't have control the way we used to. And now we need to give these children phones and devices to make them think they that you for you to believe that you have control. I uh, you know I I understand if your child is traveling. You know, you have a teenager who's traveling. That's a whole different story. We traveled, but we were a pair. We traveled together. But you have some sing um 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 oh goodness only children, you know, an only child. And that's what I want to ask you gentlemen today. You know, what do you do with the only child? You know, you only have one child. Like Pascal said, they have brothers and sisters, but this particular child has no, you know, no siblings. What do you do to fill the void? You know, a lot of times people give the kids the phones, give the kids the tablets, to occupy them, not the babysitting ones. That's not what I'm talking about. Those are extreme. Not the babysitting ones, but just giving their child um, uh, a tablet or a phone so that it keeps them busy, you know. It keeps them from, you know, because they're playing games on these things now. They can mutually, you know, you can dial up a friend and now y'all can go to a website and y'all can now play a game together Brother Al, what do you do with the with with the with the single child? Oh, the single child gonna get treated the same way, but the only difference is I know that you're a single child, and I, and I deal with some kids here who don't have any siblings. And what I would do is, is get them involved in so many things, sports, whatever you know may interest them. You know what? Let's try. You like music? Let's try music. Let's see how you like that. Oh, you like sports? Okay, let me get you in this program. I think it's to keep them busy. And it's like you say, I see exactly what you said. My my nephew does it. His son is four four years old. His nephew ain't got no, my, you know, my, my grandnephew, I guess you call him, he don't have anything to do. He always shoving the tablet in his face. This boy know how to do some stuff on the tablet that will blow your mind. I'm like, no, how you do that? you only four. You know what I mean? Wow. And, and, and that, that, that is a bad thing. And it's just like what you say. They take away so much stuff. You know, uh, just a quick story here. I had an incident last week, and they had this 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 kid, this this young lady. She's in the sixth grade, so what that means she's like ten or eleven. And you should have saw this letter that she wrote to this other sixth sixth grader. I mean, you would think this little girl was a porno star. I'm like, what? Are you serious? So <laughs> she had to she had to speak to the counselor, and the counselor says. I'm like, okay, we got to call mom, and we got to let mom know, see this letter, and see what she wrote. 
The counselor tells me, oh, we can't do that. That's private. I said, what do you mean that's private? She's 10, 11? What, what privacy she have? But this, they have, that's what I'm saying, how, what they do. They have it where I'm like, her mother needs to see what she wrote in this letter. Oh, no, we can't do that. That's against the rule. I'll get in trouble for that because that's her privacy. And I'm sitting there like, wow. So the only thing they said was like she wrote some, you know, she wrote some things she shouldn't have been writing in a letter. No, her mother needs to see exactly what this little girl wrote. Wow, you know? wow, so, wow. And, and I'm sitting there like, okay, I was thinking about being counselor. I said, okay, I'm going to get fired from that job because there's no way that letter going to come across my <laughs> table. And I'm not going to say, Ma, look at what your daughter wrote. So so you can right. see what's going on. Why, why is she writing this? Is somebody touching right. her or something? It, it could be serious. But they like, oh, no, no, we can't do that. It's privacy. I said, okay, well, I guess that job ain't for me. But, you know, to, to, to keep on the question that you asked, I would get them involved in stuff. You know, I know you're the only child, so you know what? I got to get you involved in some things. You know, let's try it. You know, you might not want to do it, but try to see if you like it. Let me try it. But I'm going to try to keep him busy by getting him into things, not just shoving a phone in his face where he's just sitting there playing video games and God knows what. And, and, and parents make excuses. Even when the child gets the phone, there's so much you could do to monitor. I got a kid here right now. His mother got it where when he – he gets to school. School starts at eight ten. He calls his mother at eight oh five. Said, "Mom, I'm in school, getting ready to go to class." When he hang up that phone, she got a thing that shuts his phone down until three o'clock. When wow. three o'clock comes, he calls. He calls her, and the phone comes on, and he calls her and said, "Mom, I'm heading home." Then she got a thing on there to monitor everything that he do on the internet. It, it, and this is why I said they have stuff. Parents just don't do it. And she said, you got one time, I got to see one time you getting on something inappropriate, inappropriate, I'm taking your phone. So they have things. Parents just don't take the investment to do it. Wow, wow, wow. Good points, Brother Al, good points. Pastor KL, what do you do with the only child? How do you handle that? How do you keep them busy? Well, I mean, I'm totally in agreement this, this time with Brother Al as far as, you know, putting them into extracurricular stuff. But, but my question is, what happened to family structure? You know, am I so mm-hmm. old to, to, to remember that, you know, my cousins, I used to think for a long time they were my brothers and sisters. <laughs> you, know I mean? you, you couldn't go nowhere without a cousin. You know, yeah. even if you didn't have brothers and sisters, you had brothers and sisters in your right. cousins. So right. what happened to that structure? What happened to going outside and play? Man, these kids don't even want to go outside and play no more. They want to go on their phone. They want to go on their video games. Listen, we used to put them out the house. We used to get upset and say, listen, you're not going to keep on running in and out of my house, wasting my heat, wasting my air. You either go out or you come in. Now we got to fight them just to go outside. God help you if you need them to go to the bodega. Because then they really, really know. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, no, it's very true. It's very true. You need to get them out the house so they're not running up your electric bill. Hey, go outside. You know, but it, it's very true. You know, I remember um, Lady Nicole um, being on, and we were talking one Wednesday, and she was saying she was an only child, but she was surrounded by family you know, cousins and things like that. Um, I was raised with, with uh, an uncle and a, a cousin, and we were like brothers and sisters. 
we weren't cousins. And it was funny because when he was talking, my cousin was talking, he actually said it. And I, 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 I never, we're like over 50 now, close to 60 for me. And this is the first time I ever even heard him refer to it like that. He was like, yeah, you know, we grew up like brothers and sisters. And I'm like, wow. Okay, never never discussed that before. So like you said, Pastor KL, you know, this is what happened. This is what they did. You know, you went outside and you got yourself busy. You played, you got creative, you made up games, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, there is something for those of you who have, you know, only children. You don't have to just rely on this um on this uh this a phone or these tablets or whatever the situation is. Um you know, you gentlemen have really pulled out some stuff today, um, you know, to cause us to think, as I always say, some thought provoking comments, um, to take us into our weekend. So, you know, parents, let's get on the ball here. We're in every bit of control of what we allow our children to do. So you know what? Fire away, Brother Al. You know, keeping in context with what we talked about today and, um, you know, the things that we allow our children to do and the fact that, you know, we have or should have control. What do you want to talk to the parents? Don't tell me what you want to tell the parents. Talk to the parents out here and let them know how important it is that we get them busy and not just on a device. Okay, thank you much. Uh, great conversation today as well. Uh, I would say to the parents, monitor your children. Stop letting your children run your household. You know, I've seen some kids get mad and go, I'm going to my room. You don't own no room. That's my room. I allow you to board here. So, you know, watch your children. You know, uh, talk to them, listen to them, because a lot of parents don't listen to your children, but they go to their friends. You know, you know, conversate with your child. Get them into things. You know, uh, hey, you, you like sport or you like dance? Okay, let's, let's go check it out and see how it is. Get them involved in things instead of shoving the phone in their face, not looking at or monitoring what they're watching or what they're doing on their phones, and then you get mad when things go crazy. So I would say monitor your children. Talk with them. Let them know that you're on their side. Teach them about prayer. You know, teach them about prayer. I say that to the kids here all the time. I say, I don't know what you believe in, but prayer. I say, prayer works. Ask God to help you. You know, put that bug in the ear. You know, it's that train up a child. I need to know, you know. So those are all the things that can help you. But monitor their phones, please, because these kids are on some crazy stuff. And I, and I have dealt with parents, and they were like, oh, I didn't know the phone could do that. You didn't know that before you bought the phone? Know these things. And, you know, that'll help. Get them out that house. You know, right now, America got the most overweight kids that there is. Get these kids out to exercise and do so. Even if you got to do it, come on, baby, let's go walk. We're going to walk around the block about three times. Come on, put that phone down, let's go walk. You know, so these are things that can help these kids because these kids are our future. All right. Amen, Brother Al. Amen. Pastor KL. What are we saying to our parents today? Well, this is what I would say. Sometimes in parenting, you're not going to get the popularity uh, award. You know, and, and the problem with some of our parents is that we want 
our kids to think that we are the best. So we become friendly and overcompensate and do things that we know they, 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 that we shouldn't do or that they shouldn't have, but we do it because we want to be liked. Listen, one thing I know is whether you like me or whether you don't like me, I'm still your daddy. And there's nothing you can do about it. All you can do is be mad and get over it. But my job is to train up someone who would be a great citizen or would, would be a great you. You know, my, my, my job is not to make you like me every day. Listen, I didn't like my mother every day. But guess what? Now I appreciate her and, and I understand the things that she did. So you need to step back in your adulthood, in your adult parenthood right now, and think about all the things that you did not like about your parents but made you who you were. You've got to understand that some of the bad things you have to appreciate it because it made you and it proved you who you were and it made you that great citizen or that great parent. We cannot, we cannot turn the tables because I didn't like this from mama. I'm not going to do it. But guess what? It created you. So, so now you're saying that which made you was no good. So I'm going to take that away from the child, but to deprive the child of learning how to be great or, or as great or better than me because I didn't like the way the training was. People in the Army, in, in, in the services, don't like boot camp. But at the end of the day, it makes you who you are. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for what you've offered today, your contribution to this conversation. And thank you for setting us into a thought-provoking weekend. We pray you have a blessed weekend. Have a good weekend. You as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Let's uh let's get to reading our benediction today. We're going back old school now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians three twenty through 21. Our gentleman did an excellent job today um, with, you know, offering up uh, some great advice, some great insight, um, some great points, you know, on, on just raising our children and, and, you know, do they need these devices and, you know, things like that. And, and one of the things that was said I can personally attest to, you know, my mother and I used to knock heads quite often, quite often. Um, and, you know, as most children or young people, you know, you think that, you know, your parents are mean, you know, because they don't let you and, you know, you want to know why you can't do, you know, these things or you do why I can't do that thing and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I remember, you know, being in my 30s and saying to her, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for every time you said no. Because I'm looking at a world where, you know, people, if if they don't get a yes, 
they don't know what to do with themselves. You know, um, and like I said a little while ago, you know, not every no was because your parent didn't have it. You know, I I, I look at people who who they're gonna if they get um if they get a, a no, they're gonna go through whatever they need to go through to get whatever it is they have their eyes set on. And I look at myself. You know, and I say to myself, it just doesn't matter. If I don't have it, I don't. I just don't have it. It's no big deal. But it's, there are other people out here, if, they, if they're if told no, the world is done. They got to do whatever it is they need to do to get that thing. And I think about just from learning no early in life, I learned to, you know, settle on the no. Okay, I'm not. I can't get that right now. You know, it's not the end of the world, and we don't realize that. You know, we teach our children a lot based on old standards. You know, the things that children, you know, we they they couldn't have, they didn't have, and they really didn't come from an angle of, well, since I couldn't. I'm going to just flush my children out. They understood what it was to just, you know, go through some hard times and just not have. And that's what they instilled in us. You know, I'm wholeheartedly in belief that, yes, we do have to modify some of the things we do with our children. Um, You know, we can't do everything that our parents did. However, I don't have one part of me that says, you know, well, my mother did it or my father did it or they didn't do it, so now I'm going to do No, because I understood. I may not have agreed, but I understood the point that was being made. And that was greater than just bestowing all of this stuff on my children. You know, I was raised in the projects. I was raised in the projects, and, you know, when I got my own, you know, I lived, you know, I didn't move into the projects, and I'm not downing anybody, um, but I I moved in, I was blessed enough to move into a brand new apartment, spanking brand new apartment. I was paying $380 for this brand new apartment, and I wasn't on Section 8. I wasn't on any of those programs. It was just a, a program that... You know, a church was able to bless the community with, and they took us single parents and things like that, and they, you know, they they blessed us like that. But I just wasn't settled. I've, I wanted my children to have more. You know, I wanted my children to be able to go outside, and that was the play. The apartment was beautiful, but going outside, I couldn't let them just go outside. I couldn't let them just ride the elevator, and. And now, you know, that pushed me into, you know, getting a home and changing the environment completely. I did not say, well, you know, we were in a house or or we were in a project, so I'm not going to bring my kids up in a a building. It wasn't about that. I just simply wanted something more for my girls. And it worked. It worked. You know, and I give God thanks every day that it worked. You know, we were raised in church. We were taken, like I always say, my mother took us 
to church and I look at the blessing it was, that foundation, you know, one of the gentlemen said it earlier, give your child that, you know, that foundation, you know, there are certain foundational things, fundamentals that, you know, we get from church that you don't get anywhere else. And the church has now become the enemy in the family. And the world has become, the government has become an enemy of the family. So now when there's no governance um, coming from God, and and the world governs what, what we do with our children, as Brother Al said a little while ago, you know, they're telling us what to do. They're telling us what we can do. Now they got our backs up against the wall because we can't make a move because we're worried about, you know, the authorities um, coming after us. That's because you said no to God. So now anything and everything goes. So you want to make sure, you know, you give God first fruit, your first fruit. Stop warring with the Lord. You know, this whole thing was, I was made to go to church, so I'm not making my kids go to church. I cannot imagine that you spent time in church, and as an adult, you could not find one thing good that came from your experience of going to church. And all you can think about is they made me go. That's all you can think about. There is not one thing you could say, well, you know what? Church did provide this, or church did help with that. There's not one reason you would take or you could find to give your child to God, even though you were forced to go. Did you get nothing from it? That's scary. That if you were made to go five times in all those five times, if you were made to go 30 times in all those 30 times, if you were made to go 100 times in all those 100 times, there's not one thing you can look and say, you know what, I didn't always want to be there, but, and now your child has no option to know God because you refuse to take them and you refuse to send them. That's why we're looking at the world as it is now. And the, 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 the children are our future. This is going to be our future if we don't change the trajectory of what we're doing. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph's uh, signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew, my gentlemen, for helping to send us into a thought-provoking weekend. Thank you for hanging out with us all week and helping us do what we do. Please do not miss this opportunity to give your life to God right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to develop a stronger relationship with the Lord because later is not promised to any of us. Until Sunday, 
where we'll be in the Word Prayer Project room. Come on in the room. See what God tells us to pray about. God should spare our life. Until then, I love you. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.